Wonderful. Well, welcome, everyone. It's exciting to see everyone here, and I'm very thankful. The last few years, I believe, we've partnered with the First Christian Church, and we've really enjoyed that. But it is good to do this together again here in our own building with, with everyone who's here. Um, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to sing some songs together and might have some of, the, some of the kiddos sing a song for us and have a sharing time, and we'll address those things as we get to them. But before we begin, I want to go ahead and ask, uh, David, brother, would you open us in prayer? if you'd take your hymnals, if you're able, stand. Um, The first hymn that we will sing is hymn number 89, O Come All Ye Faithful. Turn to page 118.
This time, we're going to have some, uh, some of our kids that would like to sing at least a verse of Away in a Manger for us. And so, I'm just curious, show of hands, you young ones, how many of you know the first verse of Away in a Manger? Raise your hand if you know the song. Oh yeah, Dan knows. Well, at least the three kids from our home can, but I want to invite any of you children who know the song or just want to come forward with us, you're welcome to come and try with us. Just come up to the front here with us and we'll sing this part together. So if you want to come forward, kiddos. Thank you. 
Wonderful. At this time, we're going to ask uh, Brother Jim Walters if you would come and read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke for us. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to, a city, to, a city, uh, to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call, call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him his son of Give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maid, maid servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Luke chapter 2, 1 through verse 21. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to, to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they called, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And when eight days were completed for the, for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thank you, Jim. At this time, we're going to do something a little bit unique, a little bit special. We have an open opportunity for anyone who's here with us to share a testimony of praise of what the Lord's done. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us. If you're feeling somewhat intimidated, perhaps, I want to encourage you that if you just have something the Lord's done in your life, something He's shown you, or it could be your own conversion, testimony of coming to faith in Christ, or something He's done in your children, something that our great God and King has done in your life, then now would be the time. And we've got a young volunteer with a camouflage jacket sitting over here who's going to take the microphone around to you if you have something you'd like to share. And so we'll give an opportunity if anyone has something they'd like to share, just raise your hand and we'll take them one at a time. I can remember praying for my own kids that 
Amen. Wonderful news. Very good. Thank you. I wonder sometimes what worship in heaven will be like with so many people we've never met and yet all singing the same song. That'll be, that'll be something, won't it? Thank you. Everybody's afraid to scratch their ear. They think they might get a microphone handed to them.
All right. Last call. Anyone would like to share a praise of the Lord's work in your life, then we'd be happy to, to hear from you. But if not, we'll go into a time of consideration. Oh, we've got one there. Jonathan, you got something you want to share, buddy? Thank you, Jonathan. So we're going to have a time just of looking into the scriptures together here. And if you have a Bible, you can open your Bible to Galatians chapter 4. And I have every intention of being direct and concise and just getting to our focus on Christ together, we'll worship in a moment. When we finish this time, we will have an opportunity for everyone to come forward, and you can take your candle and come forward and light it from the main candle here, and then return to your seat. When everyone has lit their candles, we'll sing our final song together before closing. But before that, I just want to look together with you at Galatians chapter 4, and I want to read verses 4 through five. And before I do that, though, I want to set the stage for us a little bit. It's a wonderful thing that we come together this time of year, and we sing songs about Jesus. We do several things. We exchange presents. We spend time with family. We go to pageants, and we go Christmas caroling. So many wonderful things. And I just want to remember with you how significant this is. How many people, how many little ones have I heard pray, and I'm very thankful when I do. My own children um, have prayed, even the younger ones. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing. But it's so good for us to see why is it that we celebrate Jesus coming into the world. And I think it could be helpful for us to see this in its historical setting. Probably many of the things I'm about to say you're very familiar with, but I want you to receive them with fresh ears, as if you're hearing them for the first time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm not going to recite the entire Bible to you, but I am going to draw upon some of the primary themes. God made the world and everything in it. And then it pleased God, after creating a perfect world, to create man and woman in His image and place them in a perfect paradise. No sin, no death, everything they could ever want. Fully satisfied in God. No sin. Perfect relationship. How many of us could even conceive of what a perfect marriage might look like? If I could be a perfect husband, what would that look like? Well, Adam knew that for a short time. A perfect world without sin. And then the serpent, the devil, entered that garden, that paradise, and he presented man and woman, the very first people, with a temptation to sin, to find your satisfaction in something other than God. You can decide for yourself what's good and what's right and what's bad and what's evil. You can be the judge over what you want to do and how you want to live. And Adam and Eve both took of that fruit, that temptation. They rebelled from God. And in their rebellion, 
every one of their children from that point forward was cast into the same rebellion and sin. God said to them, the day you eat of it, you're going to surely die. And they would go on to die. And every one of their descendants have died again and again and again. Graveyards, cemeteries around the world are a testimony of God's truthfulness. That death reminds us that there is sin in the world. And it's not some people out there. It's not somebody in another country who might blow us up. It's us. Every one of us. Born in sin. And shaping in iniquity. And you fast forward a little bit from that, that fall, that great and terrible fall. God made a promise to them, even after they'd sinned. Do you remember what He said to them? That there's going to be a seed. A seed of the serpent and a seed of the woman. And He said that the seed of the serpent is going to strike the heel of the seed of the woman. But He promised that the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. There's going to be a baby born. There's going to be a baby born that's going to eventually grow up and crush a serpent's head. But you have to understand that the one who would crush that serpent's head, who would undo the curse that came upon mankind, that one had to be perfect and sinless. The only way he could ever make anything right in the world is if he was perfect. Well, Adam and Eve, they had a couple of sons of their own. Cain and Abel. Of course, we know that story. Cain, the older brother, kills his brother Abel. So it can't be Cain who's going to be this seed, right? can't be him because he's not perfect. He's a murderous, sinful man, killed his brother. And it can't be Abel because he's been killed by his brother. So then you fast forward down the line. Time goes on. Who is it going to be who's going to fulfill this wonderful promise? Who's the baby going to be that's going to deliver fallen mankind from their sin and from the judgment and wrath of God? Who can it be? You fast forward through the years and you'll never find a name written in your Bible that was without sin. All the way through your Old Testament, you could consider Noah a sinful man. God delivers his family through the flood and as soon as he gets off the boat, he finds himself drunk in a tent. Not Noah. You fast forward and you could look at Abraham the liar, lied to save his own hide, dishonest man, unbelieving man when he was promised at different points. You look forward, who is going to be this promised seed? Isaac? Nope. Jacob? Couldn't be Jacob, that rascal who lied to inherit a birthright, stole it from his brother. A deceitful man. Who is it that's going to be this baby born that's going to redeem man from the sin, from the curse of sin? Who's going to save us? You have to understand, during all this period, it leads eventually to the man Moses. There has been no seed given yet, no baby born yet that can save us. And here's the man Moses. God delivers the people out of slavery in Egypt. Could it be Moses? Well, no, you remember he killed that Egyptian guard. And he was a sinful man himself. But God gave a law to Moses. And you find in the Scriptures the law is that which looks at you and I and says, imperfect, sinner, condemned, the law condemns us where we stand because it tells us that we are imperfect and that we, like our first parents, are as sinful as they were. We have no hope before God of delivering ourselves. And all through the annals of history, all of the Scriptures are one great big story of people putting their confidence in a man only to have that man fail again and again and again and again. Almost as though there is no hope of deliverance whatsoever. 
We're all condemned under the law, and everyone who's guilty according to this law deserves death and wrath and the judgment of God, who is a just judge. And then finally, we get to the text in Galatians 4.4, which tells us this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. What, what a glorious climax. This is the centerpiece of all human history. This is why we mark history by the birth of Christ and His coming into the world. We say it happened before Christ or after Christ. Adonai dominion, the year of our Lord. We find that these things are indicating to us the center of history is when God finally fulfilled that promise He'd made in the garden so long ago. A child was born. One who was sinless. One who did not inherit the sin of His Father. He was conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. He didn't have a sin guilt to God like you and I are born with. But he was born in human flesh, able to represent us as a man. And what does it mean that he was born under the law? That Jesus Christ in his life is examined under the strict judgment of the law of God, and that at every point he obeyed perfectly in every way imaginable. He never failed, even in one instant, did he fail to do what was pleasing to his Father. Every one of us who are under the law are those who need to be purchased and redeemed. Our failures and our sins say to us, you're guilty and you are going to face the judgment of God because of your sin. You have no peace with God. But this one who came to redeem us was born under the law in our place in order that we might receive adoption as sons. So why is it that we this time of year celebrate the birth of a child in the ancient Near East? What significance does it have to do with you and me? Why did Jesus come into the world? Why do we sing praises to His name? Why do we drive through snowy, nasty roads to come together on a night like this and worship? It's because God has done the unthinkable. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that we might be redeemed. How can that even happen? Here's the message. Here's what you need to grasp. We worship Christ the King because He came as a man, you realize you and I are the guilty ones. It, it must be a man who dies. Men, you and I are the ones who failed God. We are the ones who deserve judgment from God. Hell, torment forever. We deserve that. So it must be a man. And He comes as a man, a perfect man, and He goes as a substitute. Now you know what a substitute is. One who takes the place of another. I ask people this all the time on the streets. I ask them when I get to talk to them, I say, does it make any sense to you that you and I get to be forgiven because the Romans put Jesus on a cross and killed Him? What sense does it make that one man dies a physical death and then all of us get to be forgiven because of that? It doesn't make any sense at all. And they say, you know, I never really thought about it. You're right. That doesn't make sense. And then I press them with this eternal reality. As Jesus hung upon the cross, Isaiah 53 tells us it pleased the Lord to crush Him. He was not only under the wrath of evil men who put Him to death, He was under the wrath of His Father. The very wrath that your sin and my sin deserves. And when we die, if we stand before Him without His blood covering us, the blood of this babe born, then we will face that very wrath. 
But God, who's rich in love, said, Son, go and redeem this people for me. Go and save them. Die for them. That's what He did. When we see a baby born in Bethlehem, let me ask you this in the words of the late Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, how are you related to the fact that the babe born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world? How are you related to the fact that the one who was born in Mary from Mary's womb is the same one who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them? He's the one to whom all the world is going to give an account when we die. This one who died. What relationship have you to him? He says to redeem us, to purchase us, to pay the debt that we owed, that we might be forgiven. And so that we might receive adoption as sons. That not only was He truly a man born in a physical flesh, but that He was truly God. He was one that we could share in. We could be joined to this Jesus so that when God looks at us, He can say, child of mine. Do you realize there's a common lie in the world today that says we're all God's children? That's not true. The Scripture says there are people who are children of the devil and children of wrath. People, human beings. Someone here tonight may in fact be a child of the devil. He says that we might be adopted. We might receive adoption as sons. In other words, if you haven't received this adoption, you're not a son or daughter. That you must be joined to the Jesus who entered the world in the fullness of time. And He did go on to face that cross. He suffered under His Father's wrath and He rose again from the dead. The rejoicing that those angels were doing in the text that Jim read for us, The praising of God that His people offer forth is not for some carnal benefit. It's not for some trivial present under a tree or some material gain. It's eternal life. He's coming again, isn't He? He's coming to rescue and bring all of His people to Himself forever. And if you're not found in Him, there will be no hope for you. But that day has not yet come. We rejoice, and every Christian in this room says amen in their hearts when they hear of what the Son of God did for them. But if you're lost, if this doesn't stir your soul to repent and trust in this Jesus, I challenge you with everything in me, turn to Him and live. Put off every hope you have of being received by God apart from the death of His Son and His resurrection from the dead. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we rejoice that He came. Like you said, sister, if He didn't come the first time, there's no hope of another time. But He did come. And He came in order to deal with our sin for us. And praise God that He has. And there's no other one who ever will have any hope of doing for us what He did. I praise God for Jesus Christ, the King of all, the King, the Lord of creation. And I pray that you would come to know Him in that way. And as we gather tomorrow morning with our families and we celebrate time together and we say things about this Jesus, that we would be reminded each present, each gift you children receive, that you would be made to think that God so loved the world that He gifted, He gave His only Son in order that those who believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. These are what the things we ought to be thinking about in a world that is growing ever darker. This one light will remain forever. That's the testimony of Scripture. That this light, this Jesus that came into the world, that the world has not overcome Him, and it will not. And I pray that you would find your everlasting hope in the Son of God. And so with that, 
Um, I want to invite you all that if you have your candles in a moment, I'm going to sit down and we can take turns making our way through and lighting our candles. And as you see that light flickering, think about the light of the world, the one who came as the babe in Bethlehem in order to save his people from their sins. That's what this light's about. And that's the light we're supposed to share with the world. And so I thank you all for being here. You can begin making your way forward and lighting, lighting your candles. Do not be worried. Once the candles are lit, we're going to lower the lights down so that we can all see the, the lights together.
Well, if you turn to page 91 in our hymnal, let's sing Silent Night. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you sent your Son into this world to die for sinners such as us. Lord, we rejoice in this. In Christ's name, amen.
thank you all for coming. Uh, we don't have anything else planned, so feel free to stick around and visit and fellowship for a little while, and then uh, enjoy this Christmas holiday with your families, and everybody be safe as you travel home. So thank you again for coming, and glad we could all do this together. So We'll plan on continuing this in the years to come, Lord willing. So.